Welcome to High Food, I'm Home, the podcast where food psychology coach and work emotions expert Laura Lloyd teaches you how to unlearn overeating after work, lose weight without dieting and diminish your binges using her cognitive behavioral and hypnotherapy method. Hello, hardworking woman. Well done for making it here. You're totally maxed out and you still managed to find 20 minutes to be here for yourself, exploring this juicy relationship you're having between your emotional work life and your eating. And oh my gosh, have I got some great stuff for you coming up. Today, we're going to look at striving, how you push and drive yourself towards goals, both with your weight loss and also in life and how that has an absolutely detrimental effect on how you eat. In this episode, you're going to learn what striving actually is, how you know you're doing it, how to recognise striving thoughts when they pop up in your mind, why striving feels so productive, but is actually such a setup for failure and always backfires. Why the way we try to get ourselves to lose weight and to eat less is actually similar to how you try to teach your kids to pick up their fucking socks. And ultimately, you're going to learn what to say to yourself instead and the power of self-responsibility, what that actually looks like in terms of your thoughts. So let's go back 25 years. The front door has just slammed and it's shaken me awake. And it's about half past four in the afternoon. It's pitch black outside. It's winter. It's warm in my bed and it was comforting, but now it feels gross. I've spent the whole day asleep and I've realised, oh my God, I've lost the day. Because again, as is happening every single day, I have binge eaten at lunchtime, gone to bed, and slept off a food coma for the whole afternoon instead of studying for my final exams. Every day, I tell myself, you've got to do better, you've got to start over, because this is my way, this is my identity. Ever since primary school, I've been the top of the class. I'm so addicted to outside validation that I think if I'm not the best, I'm nobody. And I want that brilliant result from my degree to give me the confidence to know I can go out there in the world, but I have proved it again and again to myself, and it's never enough. So every day I make myself a packed lunch and I set off to the library and I've got this list in my head of things I've got to do. I've got to read the D.H. Lawrence from cover to cover and annotate it. And I get there early, but by 10 o'clock I go out of the library into the foyer and I eat my entire lunch. And then I go back in, but I'm too restless. I'm thinking about a donut. I pack all my stuff up and I go across the road to the bakery and I eat a donut. And by the time I've eaten a donut, I think, well, maybe I'll study better if I'm at home or maybe I'll, maybe I need a change of scene. And so then I go home to our student house. Our student house is pretty crappy and my bedroom is painted avocado green. I thought that would be so modern. By the end of the year, this avocado green is closing in on me because what I do at lunchtime, I go and I buy a whole bag of avocados and a whole bag of like a dozen samosas. And then nobody else is at home. So I make pita bread after pita bread. I stuff them with avocado and dressing. I eat until I'm absolutely stuffed. I eat all the samosas and fall asleep. And then I tell myself I'll do better the next day. 
Because when I'm eating, I'm actually shooting myself in the foot. I'm using overeating to incapacitate myself, to relieve myself from duty. I am malingering, exactly as Stephen Pressfield describes it in his book, Turning Pro. And so when I wake up, I'm feeling so desperate by this point, so depleted. And I know it's all a cycle because I feel guilty that I ate and I'm panicked that I'm not the size I want to be. And I'm telling myself that as well as studying tomorrow, I need to stick to a diet of my own creation. I'm just going to be like a monk tomorrow. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to study. I'm going to be a success. All of these pressures we put on ourselves. This, my friend, is what striving looks like. So chickpea, you might not even know that you're striving. What is striving? I think of striving as being when I get into trying to create a sense of self-worth through achievement, productivity, using determination to overcome any resistance I have, any self-doubt to doing the work that I want to do, to the standards that I expect of myself. You'll know you're striving because you'll have that thought a lot that I'm trying so hard Um, and you're putting in a lot of extra effort and time and you're feeling very tired. Now I want you to think about how you talk to yourself about your weight loss. Are you telling yourself it's something you've absolutely got to do? Are you working yourself into a kind of state of self-disgust in order to try and motivate yourself to lose weight or to stop binge eating? Do you get up in the morning and look in the mirror, look at how fat your face has got or how fat your tummy's got and start telling yourself, I've really got to lose this weight. I have done it now. I've got to get on with it. I've got to get a grip on this eating. Because when we're trying to motivate ourselves by force, by discipline, by determination, using threats, obligation, self-expectations to try and get ourselves anywhere, then the voice in our head becomes really bullying. I want you to understand that thoughts are sentences in your mind and that changing the language of your sentences that you use to talk to yourself is the start of all of this. That when you do that, you're beginning something mammoth for yourself. Weight loss begins weeks, months in the mind before the scale tips. It starts already here. It's already begun since you started listening to this podcast. Binges slow down before they diminish and disappear. Binge behaviours get loose before they unravel. And in order to do that, you need to loosen the grip that these thoughts have on you, pushing you forward, pushing you towards success. It's so mean. You are always going to want some relief and you're always going to look for the relief that's the most readily available, which is food. The easiest drug on the market. All right then, my chickpea. Some of my clients like to give this bullying voice a face or a character. They might like to call it a school mom or a mad aunt. I love, have you read that book by Quentin Blake? It might even be written by Russell Hoban. 
It's called How Tom Beats Captain Captain, Captain the Jock and, and his, his hired, hired sportsmen. sportsmen. Tom lived with his maiden aunt, Miss Fidget Wonkenstrom. She wore an iron hat and took no notice of anyone. Where she walked, the flowers drooped, and when she sang, the trees all shivered. I think I have Aunt Fidget Wonkum Strong thinking she knows what's best for me. Too much playing is not good, and you play too much. You had better stop it and do something useful. All right, said Tom, but he did not stop. He did a little fooling around with two or three cigar bands and a paper clip. At dinner, Aunt Fidget Wonkumstrong, wearing her iron hat, said, Eat your mutton and your cabbage and potato sog. All right, said Tom. He ate it. At dinner, Aunt Fidget Wonkumstrong said, Now learn off pages 65 to 75 of the Nautical Almanac, and that will teach you not to fool around so much. All right, said Tom. He learnt them off. So let's just talk for a moment about why striving is a problem. I mean, it's worked for us pretty well so far. It feels like it's pretty productive, right? Hmm. When we strive, we need relief. We need some place where we set down responsibility, where we're not trying hard anymore, when we're not putting on any kind of performance, where we're free not to live up to our own expectations. And that place tends to be standing by the toaster, buttering slice after slice of jam and toast, and then eating it all in a sort of daze. Mm. So what's the alternative? Who would we even be if we didn't whip crack ourselves? into trying to change. And, you know, the voice, like I've given some quite sort of mean characterizations of this voice in our head, but the fact is that the part of us that is striving isn't really a bad part of us. It just wants the best for us. It wants success. It wants to know that we've got results, but just doesn't trust us to get those results on our own. So it thinks it's got to discipline us to get there. And the alternative is to learn self-responsibility and to learn decision-making. When you think of your day with food, it's actually hundreds of tiny decisions. If you think of the decision to lift food to your lips as being one decision per bite, well, let's say 30 bites per meal, and then all of the decisions you make to put things in your mouth in between could well be more than 100. When you think about how it would be if more and more and more of those decisions were willingly in favour of your weight loss, willingly in favour of not binge eating, willingly in favour of the kind of relationship you'd like to have with food for the rest of your life, then you realise that the skills of decision making haven't really been offered to you before because you've outsourced it all to diets to tell you what to do. And when you haven't outsourced it to diets, you've got this inner disciplinarian cracking the whip behind you, trying to get you to do more and do better. Let me give you an example from my life of when I have tried to force someone else to do something that they didn't want to do and the backlash that ensues. 
Let's go in the house. Janet, yeah. should I put these back? Whoops, sir. These. Yeah. Janet's here. Elba, who's Janet? Our great, great godmother. Great, great godmother. <laughs> and she's come for a half term to um, hang out with the kids for a couple of days as an absolute godsend. Janet, <laughs> what's the sock situation in this house? The sock situation is that they're littered everywhere, <laughs> um, all over the floor. And my approach to them as a visitor is just to leave them lying there and see if they disappear at any stage. Oh, my God, loads in the porch. <laughs> yes. Eight. And these may be the ones that make up the odd ones that we've sorted out this morning. There was a point where the sock situation drove me so completely mad. I just felt like I can't play with anybody. I can't do anything. What I've got to do is pick shit up off the floor all the time. So I decided, I said to the kids, right, if you don't pick your socks up, your socks are going to sock prison and you will never get it back unless you come to me and beg me for it until the day when you've got no socks left and then you'll be really sorry. Yeah. And how do you think that that tactic worked out for me as a parent? Pretty shit. I mean, the kids were quite curious about where the sock prison was. They took my socks prison as well in retaliation, so there was immediate backlash. But equally, they thought of me as being the meanie. And I don't think I was really teaching them to pick up socks, just to be afraid. So they'd run around going, ah, save the sock. But I wasn't really teaching them that they wanted to care for their socks because they were theirs, because they made them feel good, all of the rest of it. I just get ended up with a really <laughs> jam-packed shoebox full of socks hidden somewhere, and I didn't have any socks either because they'd rob all of my socks. Sock war. And that's kind of what happens when you try and force yourself to do something. You retaliate against yourself and everybody loses. You and your results you end up in war with yourself, right? When we treat ourselves like that, I just want you to follow your rules, is so patronising. And we never really learn more than to follow rules. I actually want children who don't just move out of home and instantly chuck all their stuff on the floor because, yay, now I haven't got fucking mum on my back all the time. So it's the same with how we're talking to ourselves. And how we talk to ourselves has to be kind of fun and has to be encouraging and has to be like, hey, do you want to choose to do this? How can we lose weight and have fun doing it? Do you want to lose weight? Okay, are we going to make a decision in favour of that? Are we going to vote for our future self and do that? Okay, let's have a little recap and then we'll look at the solution. If you want to stop overeating, you need to get to know how you push yourself and are strict on yourself. And it comes down to the language in your self-talk. So this week, notice the pushy, pushy language in your head. Notice the hard talk about how hard everything is, how tired you are. Notice yourself telling yourself you really should do this. You've got to. You need to. You have to. Just notice it. When you're telling yourself, you need to do something, or you find yourself saying it out loud, try out saying it this way instead. I get to do this, and I want to because... You can use other permissive words like I can, I might, I can choose to, I can choose not to, but most of all, I get to. You've got this, Chickpea. 
Stay on till the end. I've got a lovely meditation for you to help it stick in your mind. And whether you're staying around for the meditation or not, make sure you come back next week. We're going to be talking about how the heck anyone ever loses weight without dieting. Isn't that just an oxymoron? How does it work? All will be revealed. JP, you did it again. You gave yourself this time. Thank yourself for that. Now I want to ask you a favour too. Can you write me a review? Now I'd never written a podcast review before and I had to fiddle with my phone a little to do it. It all helps the algorithm, darling. Now chickpea, I'd like to teach you some of the elements of hypnosis because after all, hypnosis is just a more ritualised and more deeply relaxing process that's similar to meditation. Hypnosis is a process where you actually suspend disbelief as fully as possible. But in order for you to do that to yourself, because hypnosis is something you do to yourself, you need to bring all of the skills that you already have of focused attention, imagination, visualisation if you're a visualiser, relaxation, mindfulness, all of these skills that you're probably already using to different degrees in your life already. So why don't we use each of those skills to find our way into meditation each week and we'll be building towards doing a little bit of self-hypnosis together. How's about that? So this isn't really an eyes closed process today. If you're walking or you're folding washing, just keep doing what you're doing, but only listen to this process if you are not frying an egg or changing a nappy or driving or operating any power tools. Whatever you're doing and wherever you are, just take a big breath. And as you exhale, just imagine tension melting away from different muscles in your body. And you could bring in even a little bit more visual imagination into that. If you imagined the next breath you take in, that you breathe in a colour that you find really relaxing. And as you breathe out, imagine it washing all the way down your body. This colour filling you, relaxing you releasing all your muscles, this colour taking you into that relaxed feeling that's exactly where you need to be to learn new things. And you can bring attention to your eating today. You can already see yourself choosing to eat And you can sit down when you eat and feel proud of yourself for just taking that extra care of yourself. And you can enjoy the food you've chosen to eat because even while you're helping your body to lose weight, you choose to give your body enough fuel for this day. You can already see in your mind's eye yourself choosing not to eat foods that you haven't planned to eat or that your body doesn't need right now. 
You trust that your life will be full of beautiful food opportunities. And that if you're hungry at the right time in the future, you can choose whether to eat those foods again then. When you're choosing not to eat something your body doesn't need, you're actively choosing to listen to your body. You're choosing weight loss. And it feels so good to make that choice for yourself. You're choosing to give yourself the gift of feeling strong in your own decision-making and empowered in your own self-responsibility. And you can make powerful decisions, seeing yourself easily saying, no, I'm fine, thank you for now, maybe later. I'm all right, thanks. I'm good for now, thanks. I'm willing to start deliberately saying kind, encouraging things to myself. It's possible to eat and to be in this body while I lose weight and have fun doing it. It's possible to create this relationship with myself and have fun doing it. I wonder what I could do that could make that possible today.